Okay. Welcome to our Wednesday night. Um, tonight we're talking about the voice of God and time. Can everyone say the voice of God, voice of God. And, time. and time? So the title I've given this, and we'll pray in a moment, Redeeming the Time. If you're like me, you've said this, when God win. Anybody but me ever said that? When God win, is this promise going to be fulfilled or is this going to happen or I'm going to get to this place when God win? The verse I chose for tonight is to everything there is a season, a time for every, someone say every, every. purpose under heaven. I love that. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Ecclesiastes three and one. Let's pray. Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit here tonight. Thank you for my friends. We bless those that are at camp. Lord, we continue to pray over them. We bless those listening to podcasts. Holy Spirit, speak to us tonight. Help us to understand your voice and time and redeeming the time, Lord. Give us wisdom. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Bring to my brothers and sisters even what I do not say to the glory of Jesus alone. And Everyone said... Amen. When you think about um, songs that have the word time in them, one big one came to me that uh, Pastor Hank loved. You probably remember it. Time keeps on slipping, slipping. I'm going to. There you go. And um, perfect. If you didn't hear that on podcast, I apologize because they were fabulous. Um, and one I thought about that I love from my 70s because I really think goes along with the message is Chicago does anybody really know what time it is? And um, that's what we think. Um, I had some time quotes, but I forgot them. But, um, you know, there's several. You can look them up. In fact, the uh, author of War and Peace said the greatest things in war is time and patience. Everyone say time, time. and patience. That's the one stuck to me. So sometimes someone might give you a word or even a prophecy, or you might feel the Lord speaks to you and say and, and says and say, in this certain amount of time, this is going to happen for you. Um, I don't know that that's ever happened to me, but when I was at Daystar, I was talking to John Paul's spiritual daughter, Amanda Wise, who's just a doll. She's interpreted some private dreams for me and love her, and she schooled underneath John Paul, traveled with him, was his personal assistant. That's another big, huge story, her and her husband. But I asked her, I said, in a dream, do you ever feel, see a code or a hint to when this will be fulfilled? And she said, rarely. Rarely do I see that. Most of the time, it's just a dream. And I said, well, I think the dreams that we've had here, when I think about your dream and the Coca-Cola and the going overseas and all that, there was not a time thing in it, was it, when that would happen? Um, so it's rare. Has anyone ever received a word from the Lord through a prophet or anyone else that gave a specific time that it happened? I don't think I have. Anybody else? Okay. I don't think I have. I've heard some, but I wasn't able to follow them up. But I thought about in the word, everyone say the word. God told Abraham and Sarah, I will visit you at the time of life and you will have a child. The time of life is one year. And one year later, they had a child. Uh, Jeremiah got a word from the Lord that the captivity of Babylon would end in 70 years. And Daniel found that writing and he prayed that through. Jesus told everybody that he would be in the grave in three nights, three days, two nights. Right. And that happened. Um, I asked um, Pastor Billy recently, I said, how, how do you think in knowing we're going to do this tonight? And I should have asked him more, but I didn't get time. But I said, how do you think um, most people miss it? He said, most people miss it on timing. You know, they'll hear something from the Lord and they'll try to ascribe their timetable instead of God's timetable. And I think that'd be true on us. So 
Um, let's talk about some frequency. Everyone say frequency before we get into one. So learning to discern God's promptings and hear from him takes practice. Everyone say practice. Just like a new language, we've talked about that. This is the end of our Hearing the Voice of God series for now. We're going to come back later in the summer. You don't always pick up the nuances at first, but if you give it time, you'll learn to hear it. Um, it's not three strikes and you're out in God's economy. Isn't that awesome? If you miss it, it's more like 70 times seven second chances. Everyone say 70 times seven, 70 times seven. second chances. But, but listen, there's an advertising phenomenon called effective frequency. Say it one more time. Effective, effective. Frequency. frequency. And it's the number of times you have to hear a message before you'll respond to it. You know, like the robocalling. Someone's been calling from a no-caller ID. I've taken it for a week, about 180 calls. I finally answered it, and there's no one there. So I looked online how to block it. Eventually, they'll wear you down, right? But there's also the good side of that is the number of times you have to hear a message before you respond to it, understand it, and embrace it. The rule of seven was the rule of thumb, but with modern technology, that's changed. It seems to be climbing because we have too many things vying for our attention. So here, here's some things you've heard a lot. Just do it. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Alka-Seltzer. Breakfast of champions. Wheaties. Okay. Did you know that those ad campaigns have run 26, not, have ran 26, 43, and 87 years respectively? That's why you remember them. I think sometimes... When it comes to the Word of God, Pastor Billy, in his second part to what we showed you um, about his healing, talks about how he's afraid that America Christians are becoming addicted to um, conspiracy theories and that we've overlooked the power of the Word. We think, oh, I know that. They're talking about, no, I've already heard that. I've heard that. I'm not going to get anything out of it. The problem is effective frequency is true in advertising and it's true in the word of God. That's why sometimes God repeats things over and over again. I can personally say tonight, will you join me? Sometimes it took me hearing something 10 times before I got it and, and maybe the word of God. So that's why we keep talking about the voice of God. Okay, for Samuel, the effective frequency was four late night whispers. For Peter, Simon Peter, the effective frequency was an early morning rooster crowing twice. For Saul, it was a vision and a voice at midday. God speaks in stereo. He whispers in more than one language. If you don't get it through that song on the radio, he'll say it through a sermon. He'll make sure that he's doubly or triply throwing it down so you can pick it up. Paul, you thought being thrown off a horse was enough, but no. Number one, when he, on the Damascus Road, God spoke in an audible voice. Second, he spoke through a double vision. Saul had a vision of Ananias coming to pray for him. Ananias had a vision of Saul. Um, and fourthly, he, sp he spoke detailed directions and he spoke by miracles, healing Paul. I love it that if I don't get it the first, second, third, fourth, or one other time, God will keep speaking it. Give God a hand clap of praise because it's just good. So time sensitive. Everyone say time sensitive. Um, you know, truth isn't relative, but time is. But parents of toddlers know this. To two-year-olds, next week might as well be next year. Can I get an amen? And that's why you don't tell your toddlers, tomorrow we're going to Disney World. Because they're going to make your life a living Gehenna. Let's keep going. Um, 
because one year represents 50% of their life. If you're 50, one year represents 2% of your life. So to children, one day can feel 25 times longer than it does to their parents. It might even be more pronounced for the children of God. And that's why you don't, um, with my children, I would get so frustrated if somebody told them something ahead of time. If I say something, of course, she goes, don't tell Skylar yet. Don't tell Skylar yet. I'll tell her on that morning because she will drive them crazy. And how many know sometimes we drive God crazy over timing? Amen. Like, God, when are you going to do this? God, when is this going to happen? When am I going to walk in the fullness of this? And so forth and so on. The Bible says with God, a thousand years are like a... Y'all are so smart. But with us, a day can feel like a thousand years. Amen. It can. Um, Those of us who were born after Neil Armstrong, who took one small step for... Yes, operate on a different line than our parents. We microwave our food. We Google our questions. We real-time our news. We Facebook our friends. We FaceTime our friends. Everything happens at the speed of light. Someone say the speed Speed. of light. But in God's kingdom, time is the speed of a seed that's planted in the ground and takes root before it can bear fruit. You see, we are guilty of not having patience and I fear the younger generation are being raised with almost no patience only because everything is fast forward. Have you ever tried to fast forward your radio? Oh, I have. Maybe y'all have it. I mean, you know, DVR everything. I mean, Joni and I said when I was at her house and we were watching some shows, she goes, what did we do? We had to watch commercials. I said it was Chinese torture, amen, or Russian torture or white torture, whatever. Um, But I can guarantee that our hopes and dreams take longer than fast forwarding through commercials. Look at your neighbor and say, I know that's right. Um, A wonderful thing I'll show you later in the year is a man that went to heaven and I'm holding it. And I've also got a man that went to hell holding that too. Let me just say it changed my life. Um, But the man that went to heaven was telling Joni and I, he said, you know, your husbands, you look at it like they've been gone. Eight months is coming up for me. Hard to believe. But they look like they expect you for dinner. In heaven, they expect you for dinner. Yes. Does Perry preach? Just a few okay. Like, it's just a Yeah, and I know when Robert Morris was almost going to heaven, he said he knew he wasn't afraid. He didn't go to heaven, pastor of Gateway. But he said that the glory of the Lord filled. It was the most awesome feeling, no fear. And he thought my children would be right behind him. And his son said, Daddy, that's impossible. Your grandson is a year old. He said, well, there is no time in eternity. So that's pretty cool. So while I was chasing the possum, I told several of my girlfriends, my husband was riding a horse expecting me for dinner in heaven. So there you go. So everyone say time. time. The first is chronos. We've talked about that. Say chronos. And that's your calendar. That's the Gregorian calendar that man came up with. It's sequential, past, present, future. It's linear. It follows in one direction. Hang with me. Um, and in Greek mythology, Kronos was a short god with muscular legs and winged eels, heels, and he would eat things. And he went so fast by you couldn't catch him. Anybody ever say, where did time go? Yeah. Where did this year go? And we're almost halfway through this year. Kronos had a full head of hair in front, but he was bald and back. In other words, you can't grasp the present once it's past. Kronos is human construct. Kronos is of the world. But God's timing, everyone say God's timing. Is Kairos. Everyone say Kairos. And it refers to opportune time. Everyone say opportune time. In Kronos, you say, where did time go? Kairos says, Stephanie, what is this time for? 
What is this time for? Now, you that are all here, go ahead. I want to tell you something and give yourself a hand. You know what this time is for. It's Wednesday night Bible study. Now give yourself a hand. You know what this time is for because chronos is quantitative, but kairos is qualitative. You can almost break those words down, quantity and quality. Uh, kairos is God's time, and it's for such a time as this. It's seizing the day. It's carpe diem, as we say. Kairos is an archery term, but let's move on. Time management is important, but the Apostle Paul took the time management one step further when he said to redeem, say after me, redeem, redeem. the time. That's not the word chronos. That's the word kairos. When he says redeem the time, he's saying, God, help me to make the most out of this moment. What is this time for? So we're almost moving on. Hang with me one more time. One more minute. Chronos can be measured in minutes, but life is measured in kairos moments. God is going to look at what we made the most out of with our time, which we'll get there in a moment. Um, when you say kairos time, if it's time to sleep, sleep. Don't stay up all night. Can I get an Amen. When it's time to sleep, sleep. That's what that time is for. You need to rest. Um, when it's time to work, you don't need to be sleeping. Can I get an amen? amen? There you go. When it's time to be doing that is, what is this time for? Sunday morning, I'm not just harping on church. It's work. Your, your boss expects you there. It's, it's, it's the time to work. And that's making the most out of Kairos moments. So here we go. Number one, trusting God often requires not knowing how God is going to accomplish what needs to be done and not knowing when he will do it. So that's your fill in blank. Um, when, W-E-N and W-H-E-N, sorry. The blanks are so small the way I first made this. Little people could not have gotten their words in there. But I was like, oh, how do I stretch these blanks? So if some of them were small, trust me, they were even smaller. Um, we want all good things to happen in our life right now, right? Too often we want it now, not later. And we say, when, God, when. But most of us need to grow in the area of trusting God with his timing. Um, the tendency to want to know everything and when it's going to happen is not good. I want you to say not good. not good. If God told us right now, we'll get this in a moment in some real visible ways, everything was going to happen, we'd all flee. How long it was going to take to do this, how long it was going to take to do that. God wants us to exercise discernment and to trust him with that revelation so we can be comfortable with it. When Christine one time went to get uh, shots, boosters, I knew they were going to give her four. And I didn't tell her, you're going to get four shots, two in each leg. The needle is going to be this long and it's going to hurt like heck. No, I just said, we're going to the doctor and you have to check up and they're probably going to give you a few boosters. I remember when my daddy told me a booster in my childlike stupidity, I thought I was going to be giving a booster to sit in a chair. I thought this is going to be the best day of my life. When they brought up the shot, I thought, oh, daddy. Um, but there's a reason. I want you to say there's a reason that God doesn't tell you everything. But, you know, knowing that God will do it is enough. We often say God is never late, but how many know he is generally not early either? Can I get an amen? He is generally not early. Um, sometimes why God thinks have not happened yet. Just a couple of points before we, we move on. And that is, it could be there's people in the kingdom that have not gotten in their place yet. My mother's best friend, Mary Boldry, I've told that story many times. She was 60 before she married. My daddy used to tell my mama, Mary, Mary reminded me of Mary Tyler Moore. She had the most darling apartment at People Street Apartment. And when I'd go in there as a little girl, I just thought she was the real Mary Tyler Moore. She was beautiful, tall, thin, classy. I always looked like she stepped off a magazine, still does to this day. I think she's 
almost 90. At any rate, um, but my daddy say, uh, Joyce, I just think Mary's too uh, picky. She's not found a man. She's never going to find a man. Mama said, no, she's waiting. I'm going to tell you, when she turned 60, she married one of the godliest men on the earth who also happens to be a millionaire. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. But see, here's the deal. His first wife passed um, and was a godly woman. She passed and it could have never happened. And what, I went to their, recently to their 25th wedding anniversary. So she, yeah, she's almost 90. And, and I even gave that story. And as they asked me to come up in front of, oh my goodness, let's not even go in that, hundreds of Lee University professors. But anyway, I told that story because she was determined not to settle. Sometimes God is bringing things together. That job can't go through yet because God's got to move someone in there to get you in. Amen. And sometimes there's other things. I want you to say other things in the kingdom. So underneath that, we will wait. So the question is, are we going to wait the wrong or the right way? If we wait the wrong way, we'll be miserable. How many have ever waited and been miserable? Oh my goodness. Have you ever waited recently without your phone? I mean, at least if you've got your phone, you know, I can read books. I can read Twitter. I can follow the news. I can catch up on correspondence. And you kind of get a feel for the old days when you get somewhere and you don't have your phone. You know, I, I like to watch people without their phone because they're like, they don't know what to do anymore, right? We become so adult. We've become so addicted to looking down. I know that's true for you sisters, looking down. Um, so you're miserable. But if we decide to wait God's way, we'll become patient and enjoy the wait. Someone say, enjoy the wait. Everyone say patience. Patience, patience is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a gift. Everybody wants the gift. I want the gifts of Holy Spirit, tongues, interpretation. But very few people pray for the fruit. And that's a teaching I may do later. I haven't done in years. Um, but this is the deal. The gifts only come as the fruit are born because on the priest's garment, they were by each other so they didn't clank. So as we develop patience and self-control and love and goodness, then the Holy Spirit entrusts us with those gifts because he knows we won't abuse them. That doesn't mean any of us that have any gifts of tongues interpretation have worked that out. It just means everyone say patience, patience. is a gift. It's a fruit. It's developed under trial. The Bible says, but in James 1, 4, let endurance and steadfast patience have full play. Everyone say full play. And do a thorough work. Everyone say thorough. thorough. Complete. So you can portray and glorify Christ. So number two, timing plays an important part in learning to trust God. Timing and trust work side by side. Uh, timing and trust. It's easy to see how Trust plays a part in timing. God gives all of us hopes and dreams. Listen, when God told Abraham he was going to have a child, he didn't tell him it would be 25 years. If God had told him that, he probably would have never believed for it and could have even checked out. Think about Joseph when he had the dream that his brothers would bow to him. He had no idea of all those things he was going to go through. He probably would have checked out instead of going through the process. Everyone say process. I think the process builds us for where we're supposed to go instead of getting frustrated, um, have frustration, and um, we entrust ourselves to Him and say, God, I trust you. We learn to rely on God. Proverbs 16 and 9, if you're taking notes, a man's mind plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps and makes them sure. Man's steps are ordered by the Lord. How can a man understand God's ways? When God directs our path, He leads us in ways to serve that doesn't make sense to us. 
But he says in Proverbs 5, 3 and 5, my mother's life verse, lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind and do not rely. Someone say, do not rely. Thank you for talking back to me. On your own insider understanding, in all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. We've spent too much of our lives following our own desires, but God is saying, if you'll trust me, let me take you across the path. Let me get you there at the right time, at the right place, and you'll see what I'm doing. One of my favorite verses again, Psalms 31 and 14, if you're taking notes. I trusted in, relied on, and was confident in you, O Lord. I said, you are my God, my times. I want you to say, my times are in your hands. Let's say it again. My times are in your hands. Listen, underneath that it says, most of us live afraid that we're almost out of time. But you and I are heirs of eternity. We're not short of days. We are going to live forever. Hang with me just for a second. We're going to move fast through this, but I think this is important. There's some things that will be completed on earth and some in heaven. I was recently in a hospitality room with a lot of people um, April Osteen, uh, Simons was with me and several other people that you might not know, but you would know April because of Joel. It's his sister. She's a darling, great teacher of the word. And we we're talking about, but she says, you know, Pastor Ron, she gives me Prophet Ron, and I just say, please call me Pastor. It's a funny thing. She says, she says, why haven't you written a book? And I said, you know what, April, I can't really, I don't know the answer to that. I said, but I have written the book of God. It just came to me upon people's hearts for 32 years. When I have taught, I have written the law upon their hearts. And that's lives that are going to live for eternity. I'm not saying I should. And of course, then Anna Kendall and several other gathered around me and gave me 17,000 reasons why I should write a book. And here's the deal. You're going to write a book. You've got to have someone to sell it to. And if, unless you're just writing it for your children or your grandchildren. But needless to say, Pastor Hank went into heaven without completing his eagle book. I'm trying to complete that. That's my first thing. It's, it's pretty well done. And I'm trying to get it self-published and then put it on Amazon. Wouldn't that be awesome? Um, so that's my first thing. But this is what I do know. Bethany, when Pastor Hank entered heaven, he encountered thousands of people, Sonia, that he has written the word on their hearts through the years. People that got saved underneath his ministry. People that are there because of him. And I think sometimes we have to remind ourselves some things we'll see fulfilled here and we should try to do all those things here that we can live, yes, live every day fully, complete the agenda of God, but also remember people are God's highest order. And a lot what God does in people's lives, we can't see. Like someday, Josh, um, 32 years, people have led worship. Um, I used to lead worship up here. That's a hoot and nanny. Pastor Hank was the first uh, worship leader. Here's the deal. Someday in heaven, there's going to be people come up to everyone's led worship here for 32 years. A lot of different people, a lot of different team members. And they're going to say, there was that Sunday, the third year in at Harvest, when you sang that song. Thou, O Lord, are a shield about me. And, you know, I just feel like I was going to give up. But in that moment, it's just like God reached me. Well, Pastor Rhonda, wouldn't you think they'd tell me? No, people all the time don't tell when someone blessed them. Can I get an amen? You think it, you go home and you think, I want to say that touched my heart. I encourage you, tell this team every time something touches your heart. Amen. Give the praise and worship team a hand. Um, and, and, but, you know, you're, they're going to say, I didn't give up because... You said something to me. You ministered to me. You spoke something to me. You smiled at me. I had someone tell me one time, I didn't kill myself because you smiled at me. And I thought, oh my gosh, 
what if I'd been a terrible day? I mean, I don't have that much power in my smile, but it, it was Holy Ghost. But here's the deal. You don't know how you're affecting people and you are living for eternity. Time is Kairos. Make it count. Everyone say amen. Amen. So let's talk about our verse that we opened up with from seed time. Everyone say from seed time to harvest. Number three, you need to know what season you're in. If you don't, you'll get frustrated trying to harvest when it's time to plant. Bad timing can be as... <laughs> I work so hard. Give me a moment. Calamitous. Calamitous as good timing is fortuitous. Fortuous. Let's go with it. Yes. I don't know if you know this, but on Google you can say how to say this. And I, re- I listen to them. Some of the Hebrew and Greek, I don't take time because I've kind of learned how to say those. Um, but you have to know what season. I want you to say, I need to know what season I'm in. I hope how sisters, as I've said to those that come before you, don't say those come behind you. This is the season to get renewed and recover. And when I've seen people, and Misty, you can testify to this, jump out of that thing. No, 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 I got to go home. No, 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 I've got to do this. No, 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 I've got to go back and do this. It never ends well. I've thought through 12 years, 2010 to 2022, I've not found one person, and I stay up with most of those that stayed. Anyone that left in a day, sometimes I I don't have, I don't know how to grab them. Um, But you know, if we don't know what the time is for, there's plenty of time to do other things. Like right now, if you're thinking about, I just got to get home and, 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 uh, vacuum my carpet. You are going to get home and vacuum your carpet, but this is not the time for that. You see what I'm saying? We get overwhelmed with things that are happening and not understanding there is a harvest. So let me read this. To everything, let's say to everything, everything. there is a season season. and a time time for every matter matter or purpose purpose under heaven. heaven. Let us know that I'm not living in the same season that Tina's living in. And I'm not going to be envious and jealous when Tina keeps getting raises and, and I don't get a raise. Especially since I'm not a salary vegan harp. Anyway, um, I'm not going to be jealous of her if she's in that season. But the result should be that I've encouraged because every harvest will come if we're not pulled into the world system. Can I get an amen? amen. King Solomon said there's a time for everything. I want you to say that again. There's a time, there's a time. for everything. And we'll get frustrated if we don't understand the season of time. Now, I want to say this right out of the gate. We don't have much longer to go. Hang with me. Don't get overly frustrated. Oh, my Lord, I don't even know what season I'm in. I don't even know what to do. I am completely freaked out. Say to yourself, self, do not be freaked out. Do be freaked out. You're in a season of seeding into the kingdom and being faithful. That's where you are. Um, but what I'm saying is if we look sometimes thinking I should be harvesting, follow me, and I'm not, we can miss the future. Joseph had a dream. He had a dream that his brothers would bow to him. If in, if in the pit, if in Potiphar's house, if in the prison, he had said, hey, my harvest is you uh, dirt bags are supposed to, <laughs> had to get it back in there. Shocked the world last Sunday, didn't it? Um, you dirtbags should be bowing down to me. That is so Pastor Hank's word. I can't even tell you how many times he said dirtbag about something. Um, you dirtbags should be bowing down to me. I'm worth more than this. He would have aborted his destiny. His season was to plant. His season 
was to set the course and be faithful. It takes faith to keep moving in the direction of your purpose, not knowing when the time of fulfillment it is, especially when you don't know the specifics. And he had the specifics wrong. Often when we miss it, that's the other thing Pastor Billy said to me, we miss it in specifics. Even when I get a word from Pastor Billy or sometime other people, I will think it's one thing and it's not. And sometimes we have to understand God needs time to make things clear to us. I want everyone to say God needs time, God needs time. To, make to make things clear. Listen, let me hang here for a second. Joseph could have said there like a lazy man in the pit, in Potiphar's house, in the prison. What promoted him was his faithfulness. It also said that God was with him, but he could have just sat around, you know, smoked cigars, eat bonbons, and he would have been whipped to death as well. But anyway, hang with me. He could have done all of that and said, well, I'm not working. Don't you know? I'm going to be the ruler of something. If he had done that, he would have boarded his destiny. He would have thought, follow me, it's time to harvest when it was time to plant. I'm going to tell you where you are today is because you planted yesterday. Can I get an amen? amen? Where you are today is because you were faithful yesterday, but you really didn't even know you were going to be here today, Donna. You didn't know, Tina. Well, you didn't know four years ago, did you? You would be here today, but it got you here. Psalms 105, if you're making notes, put it on your paper. Psalms 105, 17. God sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time. I want you to say until the time, until the time. that his word, that his word. Came, to came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. None of us really like that. We love the story of Joseph. You have to get over to Psalms 105 to understand that everything God put in his heart was tested in that passage of time. He saw nothing look like it was coming together. Nothing. And one night God got him up to Pharaoh. But all of that time looked like nothing was happening. That word, got to go quickly. In the Hebrew, the, it says word twice in Psalms 105. In the Hebrew, the first is debar. Everyone say debar. And that means prophecies. The second one is amra. Say amra. And that means literally the word of God. So what it says is, the prophecy tested him. That means, Stephanie, the dream, the thing he wanted to happen, the miracle he was believing for, the promotion. Let me just make this super plain. That prodigal coming home, whatever that is, then his character was tested. That why we, that, that why, that why we must be faithful. Everyone, someone say amen. amen. Say again, set your course, set your course. and be faithful. You don't know the specifics. You won't know the specifics till you get there. But set the course and be faithful. After you stepped into your destiny, follow me. After that time, everyone say time. We're saying when, God, when is this going to happen? When is that going to happen? We're waiting for this church to sell forever. I mean, we're closer than ever big time, but that's another conversation. When, God, when? And God says, when I'm ready. And on the sale of this church, I used to tell pastor, I, Everybody said, why would that sell? I said, I'm telling you, God's waiting on something. That was in my gut. God is waiting on something and he will not release this property until the proper moment. And I believe that. But I also believe that about myself and about you and our destiny at the proper time about people being uh, saved and all that. After a seed is planted, the heat and the moisture, pressure in the ground, causing the outer uh, crack to open hole. The roots go down deep. And a lot of things go on underground. Everyone say under the surface. You can't tell anything above the surface. Pastor's 
flowers are just coming up everywhere. And I'd watch him out there planting it. You wouldn't see anything perennials. By any, and then they just, they just, I mean, they're just like playing um, hopscotch with each other. They're just playing like whack-a-mole. One pops over here, then another one comes up over here. But all this time, I couldn't see anything happening. When a harvest comes, you don't see the work under the ground. And other people don't see it. Do you ever diet for, you ever uh, diet or you worked out or you were saving money and no one complimented you? Because they couldn't see the results, but you knew what you were doing. They'll eventually see it, right? They'll eventually see the results of whatever they're saving money or to get a car. They don't know how hard you're working until you get that car. It's the same thing with what harvest time is for you and I. We can't see what God is doing in the lives of those that we love in our life because God's timing is often a mystery. Number four, God's timing is often a mystery. He doesn't do things on our timetable. Can I get an amen? amen. Yet his word promises that he will not be late. Not one single day. And this is at the point where, Keith, if you can find something to play, that would be great. Preferably instrumental. Maybe what I, PR's closing music. Uh, there's a list. If you can't find that, just go with whatever. Someone say God's timing. It is a mystery because we feel God will do these things, but we don't know when and how. Habakkuk 2 and 3 is a great verse. And the Amplified, which was edited by a woman, so it has more words than any other translation. <laughs> It's true. Um, it says it this way in the Amplified. But these things I plan won't happen right away, says the Lord. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, how many can raise your hands? Things seem really slow in different areas of your life. Do not despair. For these things will surely come to pass, says the Lord. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. Don't you love that? Anyone ever had overdue fines but me at the library? Oh. But he's saying, the way I've planned this, when it comes, it won't be overdue a day. A, a wonderful example of divine timing and prompting is the case of a supernatural insomnia that some of you recognize in the book of Esther. Everyone say Esther. The Jewish people were on the brink of genocide. A plot had been hatched by an evil man named Haman. His arch enemy was Mordecai, Queen Esther's cousin. Haman hated Mordecai so much, he erected a 75-foot pole on which he was going to impale Mordecai. And you think your life is hard. Um, but on the eve, everyone say the night before. Say the night before. Say it again. Say it again. This is so powerful. Hang with me while I level this. But on the eve of Mordecai's execution, God showed up and showed off. Could not have God showed up a week before, a day before, a month before. That night, the king could not sleep, so he ordered the book of Chronicles. Everyone say, the book of Chronicles. Hang with me. It's worth it. It's worth the work. Say, it's worth the work, which is the record of his reign, of the king's reign, Xerxes. So he had it. He couldn't sleep. He woke up. He couldn't sleep. And he said, hey, bring me the book of Chronicles. Well, let me tell you how cool that is here in a moment. He, that it was brought in and read to him. It was found recorded there. This is not even the cool part, but it's pretty cool. That Mordecai had exposed Bethana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate him. Get this. He had exposed an assassination plot. He'd exposed it. But here's the cool deal. You can read the rest of the story because God flipped the script. One, we preached Esther. 
And Mordecai rode the king's horse and the king's robe and was given a ticker tape parade through the streets of Susa. How many would love a ticker tape parade? And Haman was impaled on the gallows that he built. Say hallelujah. Y'all, that was so weak. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Probably as warm as I am. Hallelujah, Jesus, I'm burning up. But here, we're almost done. First thing to think about this story is God doesn't always reward good deeds on the spot. Be encouraged. Have you ever done something that seemingly went unnoticed? You even tried to tell a few people and they didn't care. My mother say, Rhonda, no one cares, honey. What you do for the Lord, keep it between you and Jesus. Well, she was training me. She was training me because I knew she, and when I grew up, I knew how much my mama did that she didn't tell nobody. Have um, you ever done something that seemingly went so unnoticed, frustrating at the time, but we've learned to trust God's timelining, timeline. He doesn't always reward us right there on the spot, but I promise you this tonight, hang with me. He's going to reward your faithfulness somehow. Someone say somehow, somehow. some way, sometime. sometime. Mordecai had saved the life of King Xerxes by foiling an assassination plot. But he must have felt like his good deeds were behind him and forgotten. Yet God made sure. Woohoo! This is the good part. I, I got all pumped about this. I'll have church by myself here tonight. God was making sure it was remembered and rewarded at just the right time, just in time. Someone say just in time. Would you rather God reward you on your time or his time? Because he set this up to give him glory. Let's have a little fun with this story before we finish this up. Hang with me. Let's have a little fun. What are the chances that King Xerxes, and I hope I get that number right, Pastor Todd. I don't know where I put that up. Here it is. Um, King Xerxes um, would get a case of insomnia on the eve of Mordecai's execution. For the sake of simplicity, let's call it 1 in 365. As the ruling monarch, King Xerxes probably had the biggest library in Persia. There's no way to know its exact contents. Wouldn't be surprised if it was on the level with the Royal Library of Ashurbanipal, the British Museum, who puts the numbers of holdings at, at I didn't practice that one, at 30,943 scrolls. Are you getting this? Yes. 30,000 options. If we use that as a benchmark, the chances of King Xerxes choosing the book of the Chronicles to read the story about Mordecai are 1 in 30,943. Give God a hand clap of praise for that. Okay, we don't know how big it was, but the Library of Congress records every day, and the record of the first day of the 115th Congress was 101 pages long. Xerxes had reigned for 21 years. The point is to get to the very page about Mordecai and get to the paragraph. See, he had to get to the paragraph, 1 in 1,000, but God got him there. When we multiply those numbers, the odds of Xerxes landing on the page profiling Mordecai's good deed is 1 in... 11 billion, 294 million, and 195,000. Oh, but your God can't get you that lunch money next week. Your God can't get you that promotion. Your God can't figure it out for you. No, no, no. He can't do any of that for any of us, but He can get someone to beat those odds to save someone's life. That is so powerful about King Jesus. Give Him a hand. Come on. Give Him a hand. So, 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 so good. So um, let me move on. We've got five minutes and things. So just a couple of things because um, the world of the generous um, in the Message Bible, Proverbs eleven twenty four gets larger and larger. The word, uh, world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Let me just condense this. Listen, 
Sometimes we do time like a flower and we think I've got to protect it and we become hoarders. You ever watch a hoarding show? They don't have more room, they have less room. And when you and I hoard time, no, no, don't interrupt me. I've got an agenda. Don't interrupt what I want to do today. I've already got my list. This is a big Pastor Rhonda fault in her youth. And PH would like, interrupt me. Interrupt me, I'll come save you. And then he always had time that was so aggravating to me. He was there for people, and then he had more time, and I was still running around the house squeezing time. Anybody with me? The thing is, if we're not careful, we get stingy, and we get desperate about hurting, uh, hoarding our time. We hold it so close, we crush it like a flower. Instead of saying, Lord, use me. December 19th, 1973, 11.35 p.m., Johnny Carson. How many remember Johnny Carson? He went on late night television, and he made a joke about we were going to have a shortage of toilet paper. 20 million people believed him. By the next day, people were fighting each other in grocery stores. Kind of like COVID, remember? <laughs> and um, they never would have thought it would happen. After his flippant remark, by noon on December 20th, America was completely sold out. We're generally gullible of scarcity. If anyone tells us, you know, you, you, you know, hoard your time, hoard your attention, use it for yourself, take care of yourself. And you do need to take care of yourself. You do need to take care of yourself. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8 and 5 about the generosity of the Macedonians, so beautiful. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. First to the Lord. Everyone say first to the Lord and then to others. Listen, if we give ourselves first to God and then say, what can I do for others? What can I give to others? Lord, direct my path. Let me be able to discern between a holy interruption, a divine appointment, and an ambush. You know, there's difference. Because you do have to guard your time. I mean, I'll just say this quickly because I can't make it any, any uh, plainer than this. Because of the presence on social media, if I counseled everyone in my message inbox, I would never have time for this church. I realize it's God, it's my house, it's my God, my family, and my household of faith. Our people, and that's with all of us leaders. We all, I speak for all of us, Pastor Todd, Misty, all the worship, all, everyone. That was cool, what was that? An alien entering the galaxy. Anyway, so here's the deal, but it is to give to God and then that, but if I didn't do that, I would be all the time. Sometimes it's some days before I can answer this woman in Illinois Sometimes, I'm, I'm telling you what, Mama Linda, I'm going to start, the, the prayer requests are just coming at lightning speed, and I'm just going to start cutting and pasting them to y'all, to you and Kelly, because I'll say I'm praying, but I'll get our intercessors praying, and sometimes I forget to do that. But I think sometimes we have to be careful with our time, but to give ourselves to the Lord and then to others, but then to understand sometimes people will ambush us, and they'll just want everything you have. And you've got to ask the Lord, how do I use this? So for number, Linda, let me, for number five, let me tell you something. Look at your neighbor and say, she is almost done. We are leaving Gehenna in just a moment. Okay. Um, in the turn of the 19th century, hang with me. In the turn of the 19th century, there was a young man that left for the mission field for the South Seas. He was so burdened for the nations. And Laura, he got over there four years, no fruit, no response, nothing. Finally, he left, but he felt like such a failure. Ship picks him up to take him back to America, and he's just like, my life means nothing. I just did all of this. I left America. I left my home. Back in that day, you didn't have phones. 
You know, even to mail a letter in that day would have been super hard to turn the 19th century. A storm rose up violently and the ship was broken and everyone drowned on the ship except this man. He took a plank and went to the, sh found got on a shore like of an island, but there was no one there. Books came up from the ship and lumber and timber as you will often see. And he built a little hut of a shield with supplies he had and just tried to make something. Just thought, this is my life, God. I, I, I gave everything for you. I went there and this is the reward I get. This is redeeming the time when God win. Then one day he looked down and his hut had caught on fire. Every provision he had burnt to the ground. Everything he had in there, he had a few books he could read. Um, and he thought, I've given my life to nothing, and now the only thing I had is burnt to ground. He fell asleep just crying his heart out, which I would have done too, and I'd have been so scared. He just cried from uh, this story that I, that I read recently in a book by an author I trust. The next morning he woke up and coming into the harbor, he'd never seen anybody. All the days he'd been there was a large ship. He couldn't believe it, and they anchored. And he said to the captain, he said, how did you see me? He said, man, it was easy. We saw your signal fire. You sent up a signal fire. He goes, I didn't set up a signal fire. My hut caught on fire. He goes, well, nevertheless, it was a signal fire and here we are. His loss became his salvation. He got up and he got on the ship. And the beautiful thing is there were 28 crew members on that ship. The captain and all 28 crew members gave their heart to Jesus Christ and lived out their life for the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? And I just, I've just been lately just looking at losses because of my own personal loss and the door of hope that opens afterwards. And God brought that forth, a signal fire. So number five, in God's economy to redeem time, you might feel you are wasting time sometimes. You might feel like you're wasting time in the sense of taking time to talk to that person you've helped so much, to spend time with someone that gets on your nerves. Wasting time reading the Bible. I'm just going to be real. Wasting time living at Hope House. Wasting time going to church. What good did that just do me? Wasting time to do this or give your tithe or whatever. Wasting time. But I think when we look back over our life, we're going to understand that some of the moments we thought were wasting time, God called Kairos moments. They are never wasted. Time for God. Everyone say time for God is never wasted. It says this. I want to say one more thing and I'll read our closing box. There was a song I used to sing in a trio. I'm not going to sing it for you right now. But it's by Andre Crouch when I was a teenager. Um, pastor of Mount Perrin and I and my sister. He wasn't the pastor of Mount Perrin then. But anyway, if heaven never was promised to me, neither the promise to live eternally, it's been worth just having the Lord in my life. Living in a world of darkness, he came along and brought me a light. He's been the, my closest friend down through the years. Andre Crouch wrote it and the essence of the song was, even if I wasn't gonna live forever, it's been worth having him. And we aren't living that. Bible even says we'd be fools to not believe in eternity. But here's the deal, this is what I wanna say, it's what the Lord gave me today. And I think it's for everyone in this room. I'll read this box. Sometimes you can say, Lord, if I'm believing this, I don't mean about salvation or anything like that or health or healing, but maybe you're believing a certain thing about your life or in your future or whatever. What if it never happens? What if Jesus comes next week? Would you rather go to heaven believing in a promise or go to heaven not believing? If, if that promise, if I will say if Jesus comes back 
and that doesn't get fulfilled or it's longer of a journey than you thought, would it have been worth being faithful and steadying the course? I think so, don't you? And I pray for grace. So the closing box and I'll pray, God causes things to happen at exactly the right time. Your job is not to figure out when, neither is mine, but to make up our mind that we won't give up until we cross the finish line and we're living in the radical, outrageous blessings of God. The more we trust Jesus and keep our eyes focused on Him, the more life we'll have. Trusting God brings life. Believing brings rest. I want you to say, trusting God brings life. Believing brings rest. I'd rather go to heaven believing, Donna. I'd rather go to heaven trusting. I'd rather go without item number X fulfilled, knowing that I've lived my life for Christ. And I believe you would feel that as well. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We, Lord, we just pray that we would understand to redeem the time, that we would ask, what is this time for, Lord? When it's time to rest, that we'd rest. When it's time to worship, we'd worship. When it's time to work, we'd work. That we would redeem the time, Lord. And we get tempted to say, when, God, when, we'd remember how you intervened for Mordecai and beat all the odds to save his life by making a king not sleep. We'll remember how Joseph was faithful. we remember how Abraham was faithful, Lord. And you fulfilled your great commission. Let us use time wisely, Lord. And God, don't let us put constraints upon you that things have to be done. Father, forgive us if we've ever said, if by Friday at 3 p.m., Lord, you've not done this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this, I'm going to do that. Forgive us, Lord, because we're pushing you into a corner and we're trying to make you in our timetable. Forgive us, Lord, and help us to trust you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Let's give